talk about Fight Club. I want you to hit me as hard as you can. This is your life, and it's ending one minute at a time. Monster liar! You fake tourist! I need you! Now get out! Talk about Fight Club. 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 Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Tyler. Um, this is the Stinky Think Tank podcast. We are going through the film Fight Club. Uh, directed by David Fincher, written by Chuck Palahniuk, uh, starring Brad Pitt and uh, Elena, Bonham Carter, Elena Bonham Carter, I think I got that right, and uh, Ed Norton Jr. and uh, Meatloaf and those guys. So um, what we've been doing is going through the script. You can get your copy at uh, scriptslugs.com, I think, or Slug Scripts. I'm, I should write things down, you'd think, uh, but I don't. Um, we made it to, I think we've, we finished up last time at, at the bottom of page 85, if you're following along in the script. Um, uh, Jack has just started to, to speak out loud, the, the, the I am Jack's raging bile duct and all that kind of stuff. Um, hang on. So I'm drinking coffee again, even though it's tearing myself, my, my innards out. Um, ooh, okay. Um, let's get going here. So we're going to start at the top of page 86 on the script. And um, where we are in the story is uh, things have escalated with Marla. Things have escalated with Tyler. Uh, the fight clubs are per popping up everywhere. And uh, Jack is getting, getting kind of chewed out at work. In fact, he's getting fired. Um, but what he does, instead of getting fired, is he, he pulls like the Jim Carrey thing from, from Liar Liar. And he's like, I'm kicking my own ass here. So he um, basically extorts or blackmails his boss and says, um, you know, you're going you're gonna to pay me and I'm, I'm going to go home and not work anymore, but you're going to pay me uh, some consulting fees or I'm going to embarrass the company. So I think you're up to, up to speed. Uh, here we go. Top of 86. He throws himself back. That's, that's uh, Jack Ed Norton. Acting as if the force of the punch knocked him. His back slams against the frame painting and shatters the glass. He and the frame and the glass and the painting all fall to the floor. Jack, voiceover. I am Joe's smirking revenge. Again, um, I don't know why it says Joe. Uh, it's, it's Jack in the movie, and I, I, it doesn't really make much sense to me that he would use Jack and then Joe. Um, anyway, <clears throat> Jack, please don't hit me again, please, uh, after I am Joe's smirking revenge. So he's, he's, he's blackmailing the guy to say, hey, I'm going to kick my own ass here and then blame it on you. Jack gets back to his feet and punches himself in the stomach, then punches himself in the jaw again. He reels backwards and falls into a hanging shelf, ripping it off the wall, sending its contents flying. He falls to the floor again. Jack, voiceover, continued, for some reason, I thought of my very first fight with Tyler. Um, hint, hint, that's because he was kicking his own ass then, too. Um, Jack crawls along the carpet towards boss, dripping blood. He tries to keep up the act, but he sporadically giggles. He grabs his boss's leg. Jack, please, give me the paychecks like I asked for. You won't see me again. You won't have any trouble. 
Jack climbs on Boss's leg. Boss, aghast, tries to shake him off, and in doing so, stumbles back into his desk, knocking off photos, stacks of papers, paperweights. Uh, Jack, voiceover. Uh, under and behind and inside everything this man took for granted, something horrible had been growing. Jack crawls up high enough to grab Boss's belt and hoist him up further. He's getting blood all over the boss's clothes. Jack smudges blood from his face onto the knuckle of both his boss's hands. Blood's on you, buddy. The horrifying boss screams. And Jack. And right then, at our most excellent moment, security guards decided to walk in. Two security guards come inside and gape. That's like the 15th use of gape, right? It's crazy, right? It's a weird word to just keep using over and over. Polonyuk or Fincher or whatever. Uh... Two security guards come inside and gape at the site. Behind them stands a crowd of curious workers also taking in the site. Next page. Jack, gurgling blood. Please don't hit me again. Interior, Paper Street House, Jack's room, dusk. Jack, all bloody, lies in his bed asleep. He awakes, hearing the back door slam. He painfully hauls himself out of bed. You ever beat yourself up so much you can't get out of bed? I have. Uh, Interior, kitchen, moments later, Jack... Enters to see Tyler taking beers out of the refrigerator. Jack waves a paycheck. Jack, I did it. Tyler, that's fucking great. Jack sees that Tyler is dressed in combat fatigues. He's splattered with various colors of paint. There's a rope and repelling mechanisms lying on the table. Tyler nods toward the living room and hands Jack all the beers. Tyler, go on in. We're celebrating. Excuse me. Interior living room. Jack. A little bewildered, saunters in, carrying the beers. Tyler does not follow him. Bob, Ricky, and several other Fight Club guys are in front of the TV. They're all dressed like Tyler, all splattered with paint. Jack hands them their beer. One of the guys is 16-year-old with an angelic face. He notices the TV. Angel face. Shh. They're back to it. Okay. Let's, uh, let's just address that right now. Um, the guy who ended up, they ended up casting for angel face here, I believe, is a man named Jared Leto. Um, who's not 16, um, but I, 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 it might be that this term angel face, angelic face, um, went to his head. Uh, not, not the head that he uses as a, as a Gucci purse, but his real head. Um, and he's, he's, he's been a fucking nightmare of a human being since at least this, but probably before. Um, he runs a cult and, uh, there's one guy on Twitter who gets fucking pissed when I say that, but, um, if you've seen the pictures, he's walking around in linens. He forces everybody else who are white. It's pretty much just a bunch of teenage girls. They go to an island. He pontificates. I'll move on. Anyway, Jared Leto plays this angel face. Um, and, we'll, yeah, we'll see what happens then. Jack looks at the TV as it shows a live shot of a building, which is identified at the bottom of the screen as the TRW building. It has a giant grinning face painted on it. The two eyes are broken. Charred windows with smoke pouring out. Fire trucks spray water into the windows. Reporter, Police Commissioner Jacobs has come down. Just a second. Next page. Reporter, excuse me, could you tell us what you think this is? Commissioner Jacobs, a wrinkled man with baleful eyes. Baleful. I don't know what that means. Turns to camera. Baleful eyes. Baleful eyes. Don't know. Commissioner Jacobs, we believe this is related to the other recent acts of vandalism around the city. It's some kind of organized group, and we're investigating thoroughly. Jack turns back and sees Tyler in the archway, watching the TV. Tyler pulls back out of sight. Jack turns to the others. Jack, what did you guys do? They all burst into laughter. Look at Jack and shake their heads. Jack just stares at them. Suddenly, the guy's face is turned to stone. Bob, 
the first rule of Project Mayhem is you don't ask questions. Thanks, Meatloaf. Uh, Jack stares at them, cut to interior hotel ballroom night. A loud, luxurious banquet ensues. Commissioner Jacobs guzzles champagne and puffs on a cigar. Jack, in a waiter's uniform, serving another table, stares at Jacobs. Then Jack looks apprehensively towards certain other waiters. Tyler, Bob, Ricky, and Angelface. Mixed with the same, well, mixed in with the mass of, of waiters. Interior bathroom same. Uh, Commissioner Jacobs enters, puffing a cigar, and walks towards the urinal. Jack, Tyler, Bob, and Ricky leap out of the corners and just attack him. Beat the shit out of him. Jack's heart isn't in it. He barely holds the, helps the others. Tyler knocks a cigar out of Jacob's mouth and slaps a piece of tape over it. Interior service elevator, same. Jack holds the door while the others drag the, the, the struggling commissioner into the elevator. They hold him down and pull down his pants. Bob snaps a rubber band, then reaches to Commissioner Jacob's crotch. Wrap it around the top of his ball sack, Tyler says. Wrap it around the top of his ball sack. The top of his ball sack. That would suck. Uh, Ricky holds a knife to Commissioner Jacob's testicles. Jack, red-faced, keeps his distance. Tyler leans in and whispers in the frightened man's ears. Tyler, you're not going to continue your rigorous investigation. You're going to publicly state that there is no underground group, or imagine the rest of your life with your ball sack flipping empty. Commissioner Jacobs, no, please stop, no, no, no. Tyler, one of the New York Times and one to the Los Angeles Times. One to the New York Times and one to the Los Angeles Times. Press release style, remember this, the people you're after, after are everyone you depend on. We're the people who do your laundry and cook your food and serve your dinner. We guard you while you're asleep. We drive the ambulances. We process your insurance claims. We control every part of your life. So don't fuck with us. That's Tyler kind of, uh, you know, predicting um, what essential workers feel in, in 2020. Um, some powerful guy gets reminded that, hey, uh, we make your food. We drive you where you got to go. Don't fuck with us. Um, and I doubt that this rich person gave a shit back in 1999 as, as they do today. Ricky makes a dramatic cut with a knife. He holds up the severed rubber band. Uh, exterior hotel later. Jack, Tyler, and others file quickly out of the back service entrance. Tyler slaps Angel Face's back. Angel Face smiles at him. Everyone splits up into different directions. It, it has always bothered me that Jared, in, Jared Leto's in this. It is just... It, it, it makes the greatness of the film carry an asterisk because they chose to do business with fucking Jared Leto. Okay, page 90. Interior basement, night. Fight Club is in full swing. Jack squares off with Angel Face. He beats the shit out of Angel Face with a viciousness heretofore unseen. The crowd shouts maniacally, save for Tyler, who watches with an inscrutable stone face. Angel Face tries to speak, but Jack pounds him again too hard. Blood flies everywhere. The crowd becomes quieter. Finally, Angel Face on the floor, clearly unconscious. Jack stops and stares at him, numb. The crowd seems a little spooked. Tyler scans the faces and looks at Jack. Exterior street later. Tyler and Jack walk through pools of streetlight. Jack, I felt like destroying something beautiful. Tyler, excellent. Uh, just imagine, you know, Jared Little getting this. And they're like, hey, you want to read for, for fucking babyface? 
And he's like, oh, is he a 16-year-old who's so pretty that, that, the, that the heroes talk about how beautiful he is? I would love that. That would be wonderful. They're fucking, Jared Little's a trash human. Um, Jack, I felt like destroying something beautiful. Excellent. An idling car honks. Tyler leads Jack towards it. A bruised-faced valet Parker throws keys to Tyler. Valet, there you go, Mr. Durden. Jack, after you, Mr. Durden. Interior of the stolen car, moving later. Rain gushes down. It's, it makes people gape. Rain gushes, people gape. Uh, Tyler drives. Jack sits slumped in the passenger seat. They're barreling down a two-lane highway, intermittently illuminated by oncoming headlights. Jack stews in silence. Tyler glances at him. What's the problem? Jack, nothing. Why wasn't I told about Project Mayhem? Tyler, you were told about it. Jack, uh-huh, yeah, fine. If you can't talk to me about it, next page, uh, page 91. Tyler, that's the whole point. You don't talk about it. This is, this is, uh, this is remember, this is one guy who is, who is fighting in this, this inner battle as to whether he can talk about things or not. It's repression and it's unhealthy. This is what happens. So I can't even ask, Tyler, what do you want me to say? That Project Mayhem will knock over the pillars of civilization like dominoes? That it's going to bring about a prematurely induced dark age? Should I email you? Should I put this on your action item list? Ooh, Jack, fine. Tyler, recognize the make and model of this car? Jack, yeah, so what? Tyler, the front seat mounting bracket never passed collision tests. Tyler pulls the car into the opposite lane. Oh, guys, holy shit. Uh, today's November, it's some, like mid-November, 20-something. And uh, like a couple days ago, there was an L.A. police chase. I, I love L.A. police chases. I, 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 it's a guilty pleasure. Um, I, obviously, I hope nobody ever gets hurt. I think the perpetrators should be, you know, locked up and punished. And, and most importantly, I think the cops should try a little harder to... to, to, to let's just say if you go online and you, and you watch a bunch of L.A. police chases, you're going to do it. Just do it and tell me what you think. There was one from like November 19th, a couple days ago. Guy drove for two hours and 14 times. He just, he like stopped, let the cops come up and get around him and then just fucking went away. Like, meep, meep. He's the fucking roadrunner. Anyway, what's going on here is Tyler's uh, gonna drive in the opposite lane and the guy, like, they do that shit on the freeway in real life and this dude the other day went for like, I don't know, six, seven minutes, full speed in the opposite direction and it was bonkers. Anyway. There's a stolen car. Jack and Tyler, which is one guy, and they're talking to himself about whether or not he should kill himself. The oncoming cars get closer, honking and flashing the wheel. Jack tries to grab the wheel. Tyler uses one arm to pin him down. The old, uh, the old Frank Costanza. He just throws his arm over there. I stop short, and he's, you know, holding him back like the mom thing, where, you know, they start to slow, and the right arm just pops up and holds you, holds you back. Um, Jack, what are you doing? Uh, he uses one hand. Tyler, what the fuck are you doing? Tyler, if you died right now, how would you feel about your life? Jack, I would feel nothing about my life. Is that what you want to hear? He's got a good point. He's, he would be dead. So I don't think, it's up to you if, how you feel about that, but I don't think there's a moment where you get to go like, eh, it's over. All right, cool. Uh, I'm pretty good with everything I did. Yeah, I think it, it's just like, you're done. But not my, I don't know. We'll see. Tyler, I want to hear the truth. Car swerves at the last second. Top of page 92, guys. Jack, fuck my life. Fuck Fight Club. Fuck you and fuck Marla. I'm sick of this shit. What's that? How's that? Huh? Um, <laughs> my cat Marla is asleep and I'm trying to keep her that way so I, gotta, I, I might have to say like Arla May or something to uh, pig Latin it up so she doesn't think I'm gonna 
pay attention to her. You don't have any concept of what it is to hit bottom. An oncoming trunk honks and flashes its lights. It moves to the other side of the road. Tyler steers there too. The truck moves back, Tyler moves back. More honking and flashing. The truck moves, Tyler moves. Here comes another stink story. Sorry, I'm gonna take a drink of coffee. <laughs> so, uh, once upon a time, my, I was 16 and um, I'll try to make it brief. Uh, my dad and I weren't getting along very much. And, and uh, so for my 16th birthday, he pulled me into the garage and he says, um, I will give you permission for your birthday to go buy your own car. And I'd had a paper route and a job at a donut shop and shit. So I had some money um, and I went and I bought a Ford Escort uh, from my uncle who owned a car leadership, car dealership in Long Beach. Fun part about that was um, the car was 500 bucks and my dad didn't like me very much. So he, he drops me off there in Long Beach and I'd never driven stick. Um, and my car was, was, was manual transmission. Luckily for me, I had grown up uh, riding dirt bikes. So um, I didn't know how clutches work and stuff, but it was, it was different in the car. Um, anyway, long story short, I finally get home, blah, blah, blah. Six months later, that car takes a shit and it's just done. So uh, again, kind of strapped for cash. I go back to my uncle and he sells me a 280ZX. It was silver. It had the, the uh, T-top. You could take out, you know, you, you had to like engineer how to do it, but you could take off the top to, for it to be this like not convertible, but close. Um, but the car, the guy who had it before me was like into NOS or, or whatever that stuff is and, and, and like drag racing and street stuff. So it, it had all the like aftermarket shit. Um, and what was fun for me is the license plate frame said, uh, I snatch kisses and vice versa. Get it? Um, my mom got it and didn't like that a bit. So I got home and like an hour later, she's like, take that off right now. I'm like, all right, whatever. So I did. Um, but it also had, uh, the steering wheel was cut. So you know how in the new Tesla, I don't know if you've seen it, but Musk is trying to do like this yoke where it's like, it's like flying the X-wing fighter, right? It's two handles. It's not a circle. Um, that's what I had in my 280ZX. All of this is not part of the story, but what happened was, um, it was my senior year and I, I was, I was checked out. I was in bands. Um, yeah, I, I was, I was checked out. I wasn't going to college. Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I was checked out period. And I had, the, I had a girlfriend. I, I was, um, I, you know what, I might have had just been graduated. It, it was probably in the summer between my senior year and what would have been somebody's college freshman year. So I think it was right in there. And um, I had gotten a job as a, um, a carpenter, a, a union carpenter, um, which I was terrible at, but it's got some great stories. Um, and I was making a little bit of money um, working for my dad's, my, my girlfriend's dad, who was a superintendent. So uh, and, and she'd been my girlfriend for a couple of years. We were, we were, we were one of those high school sweetheart things, um, up until this moment. And so I got my 280ZX and I'm all, I'm going to work and I'm doing good. And I feel pretty, you know, I, the, I got the, the construction job because my girlfriend's dad told my dad, um, like let, let him work for me for a summer and I'll, I'll, I'll make it so horrible for him 
that he'll want to definitely go to college. And my dad was like, cool, do it. Um, so they hazed me, and, and I got like the worst assignment. I, I, the first thing I had to do was it was raining in, in uh, Compton. We worked in Compton. And um, we'd get there at like, you know, 6 in the morning. We'd leave, leave our place at like 4.30, get there real super early. Um, I would stay asleep in, in, in the boss's truck because I carpooled with him to work. Um, and then when I, like the first time I got there, it was raining. And he's like, oh, you don't need any tools. Just, just take this cup. And he gives me like a big gulp cup. And he's like, jump down in that footing and get all the mud out. And for a fucking week and a half, like 10 working days, 80 hours, I stood in a four-foot hole that was just, it was like, it was for piles. So it was like a two-foot diameter, not diameter, circumference, whatever. I could barely fit in there. And it was up to about my chest. And I'd have to squat down, fill up the, the, the... big gulp cup with water and mud, stand back up, and then just kind of like chuck it, like whoosh, just, you know, get rid of the mud. And it was still raining, and most of what I was throwing out was coming right back in. Um, and, and later I found out that my, my boss, Tim, uh, was super proud. He was like, oh, he'll fucking quit. There's no way he's gonna keep doing this. And I had the time of my life. I don't know why, I had, I had earphones in and I could listen to my music, cranked it up, and I had, I was literally just goofing off. I was like, this, this is obviously not important or they wouldn't have me doing it. I was absolutely aware of the fact that I was making no headway to make, the, to make this footing uh, usable. Um, but I just sat there counting the money. So I, I just, I'd play through one side of a Rush album and then I'd, I'd flip it over. <laughs> it was, I think it was tapes, it might've been CDs. Um, it was, it was weird. You know, you know what? It was CDs because I do remember I dropped it in a, in a in a vat of like biohazardous waste one time, and and my boss was like, "Oh God, what's going on?" And I just I literally just stuck my my hand in, without thinking. It was like antifreeze. It was like fucking green, Gatorade looking shit that they used for uh, to spray on the form so the concrete doesn't stick to it. I forget what it's called. Yeah, form release or something but it's super toxic and I just, I'm, I'm into it up to my fucking elbow. None of this has anything to do with the story. Anyway, um, I bought this 280ZX and it's cool fucking uh, steering wheel and everything. And what happened was um, I was playing a gig with, with my punk band um, at, at a local bar. In fact, it was, I think it might've been our, our first or second gigs and our entire goal as a band was to play that bar. We weren't old enough. Um, so I had to go in and, and talk to the, to the bartender who was the owner um, and like sell us and say, like, yeah, we'll, we'll sell this place out, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, okay, what do I have to pay you? And I was like, beer? Just give us a beer? She's like, cool. So <laughs> we're, we're like 17 and 18. And, we're, and, and we, the fucking bar was packed. Again, this has nothing to do with the story. Um, but I'm at that gig and this dude, Todd, comes up to me. And he's like, dude, I got to talk to you. And I fucking didn't like Todd. I knew him from around town. I did not like that guy. And we step outside. It's like, it was like during a break during the, the set. And uh, so we, we walk outside and he goes, I want you to stop seeing your girlfriend. And I'm like, huh? And he's like, I've been dating her for about 15 months now. And you need to, you know, deal with it. And, it, you know, it's like one in the morning, 11 o'clock. I don't know. And... 
I was like, no, fuck you. That's my girlfriend. And I work for her dad. I have dinner every night with the family. Like, I was, I mean, I barely spent any time with my family during that time. I was either rehearsing, gigging, hanging out with my girlfriend's family or working. So he's like, no, 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 she's mine. So first of all, I, I was like going to fight him, but I'm not, I mean, then I wasn't a fighter. I'm still not a fighter. Um, but I, later on in life, I, you know, I, I joined a boxing gym and shit like that. But at the time, I'd never fucking thrown a punch or, or, or been hit. Well, I'd been hit, uh, but it, it, I deserved it. Um, anyway, so he kind of doesn't want to fight me. And um, my bass player is friends with him. They, they, uh, they both went to like a San Diego school or something. So fuck it. Um, anyway, I go from the gig to my girlfriend's house um, and knock on the door at like three in the morning. And her mom answers and she's like, what the fuck are you doing here now? And I lost, I mean, I just lost my shit. I think I said like, your daughter's a whore and she's cheating out inside. I don't think I said that, but I definitely was like crying and upset. And, um, I found out she knew the mom knew she was like, Oh, you mean Todd? And I'm like, what the fuck are you? What? Yeah. And she's like, Oh, Amy, when you guys are on break. And I'm like, we've never been on a fucking break. What are you talking about? So I lost my mind. I was just fucking in, just so mad. So I stayed up all night. I think I went up in the mountains. We, there's a, there's a great mountain ride drive. I, I used to take my motorcycle, but, but it, it was drive. So I think I went up there and I was like, you know, it was like fucking Bob Seger story. I'm like standing at the top of a mountain deciding what I'm going to do with my life. And, uh, you know, uh, mourning the, the loss of this relationship that I thought was going to last forever. So um, I flipped out. And the next day, uh, I think I called in sick or maybe it was a Saturday. It was probably Saturday. I think we play, probably played it Friday night. Maybe it could have even been a Sunday. But I woke up and um, I just instinctually got in my car and didn't know where I was going, didn't have any plan. But I was heading to Vegas. Um, it just, it, my, I just kind of, you know, randomly took some exits and ended up heading that way. And it's about a three-hour drive. And, um, I, I, I mean, I had friends in Vegas. I, my, my two cousins were there. Terry, who, who's been on the podcast and will be again, lives there. And I needed to get away. So I was heading to Vegas. Sorry, this is not a short story, I guess. Um, anyway. I'm flooring that 280ZX. And like I said, the guy who had it before me was into racing and everything. So the, the, it was a digital readout um, speedometer. And once I got out of the city, it was, you know, it's a wide open, straight run through the desert. Uh, I-15 just goes straight north to Vegas. And it's very hilly. There's two mountains you have to kind of climb and, and descend. Um, but anyway, uh, right outside a place called Razor Road, which is about two or three miles south of Zizix. Zizix is spelled X-X-Y-X-Z, Zizix Road. Um, what happened was I was coming down a hill, and the speedometer was just pegged at 135, I think, is the highest it went. But I was doing way faster than that. I mean, I had pinned that thing... Uh, it, and it, I was just flying. I have no idea how fast that car could go, but it, I was going that fast. And um, I started coming up on a car, coming up on a, it, it wasn't a semi-truck, it was like a box truck. 
And he, it was like he wasn't moving. And I was, you know, mock speed heading at him. So as I got closer, I was going, you know, I was going to go around him. But clearly, he had picked me up in his, in his rear view. And he was going to get out of my way. So he starts to move right. I'm, I move right. I start to move left, and he moves left. And, and he's, you know, I'm clearly coming up on him way too fast. So it got to the point where I was like, shit, this mother, you know. So I hit the brakes. And as soon as I hit the brakes, the fucking thing locked up, right? So I'm at 150 miles an hour, and now I'm screeching tires. And it was the loudest thing I've ever heard, and I've heard some loud shit. Um, it smelled, tire, you know, everything. Um, I, I did get turned around at one point, and, and the, the, the car was skidding backwards. Um, and then tons of, it's just a, you couldn't believe, it, yeah, it was bad. Um, I come to kind of a stop, and I don't really know which direction I'm facing, where I am, what's going on. It's just a, it's a huge cloud of rubber smoke. And a, a semi comes just right through it and barely misses me. And uh, after it goes by, I get out of the car and I kind of just run away from it because I could tell I was on the freeway and I just needed to get out of the smoke in case somebody else came by and hit it. Um, so I, I kind of run about, I don't know, 50 feet, 50 yards into the, into the, just the desert. And um, it still smells and I'm kind of crying and my heart's going fucking bonkers. And I hear another semi-truck just, just hit the horn and barely miss it. And everything kind of settles down and I look and, and my car's not in the middle of the 15. It's, you know, in the shoulder and a little bit into the, into the dirt. And I'm off to the side. And I, I mean, the, the, the initial thing that I remember kind of coming to and having my wits about me is um, Pearl Jam's Jeremy was playing. And just as loud as, I mean, anytime I'm alone in a car, it's, it's as loud as it can go. If I'm, if back then I would just blow the shit out of any speaker and, and replace them. But um, I'm always at full volume. So I'm like, Jesus Christ, that's loud. Um, I head over back to the car and it's kind of still idling, which I don't think I remembered. Because I think when I got in, I, I turned the key and it did that like, you know, and I was like, ah, oh, fuck. But um, it was still going and all four tires were ground down to the rim. So they were just hanging on like a C and just the, like the bottom of it was gone, right? So um, I was crying like crazy. And I, this was before cell phones. And I didn't tell anybody where I was going. I didn't tell my mom where I was going, nothing. Um, so I get in it and I, tr I try to drive it. And, and yet and Gibby loves this part of the story because it, it is kind of funny. But since all four tires were ground down, the car just leaped like boom, 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 boom. And it would kind of like go up eight, six to eight inches and then crash back down when the tire was flat. So I, I and then anytime I turned the wheel, they would get even more off, um, you know, they wouldn't be well coordinated. So it was like driving through these huge boulders. And I pulled up to Razor Road and there's just one gas station, it's up a hill. So I pull this 2HZX in, it's like boom, boom. Boom. And I'm just, I'm walking the car to this fucking gas station, right? So I go in to the gas station and I, um, immediately I'm hungry as shit. And I'm like, do you guys have anything, you have food or anything? I think the adrenaline had worn off and I was just, 
you know, I was shaking and I was my low blood sugar. And uh, the, the, the lady or the guy, I don't, I don't remember who was at the counter, kind of laughed like, well, you can have that hot dog over there. And I'm like, I'll take it, whatever. And yeah, it was the word, it was like a three week old, you know, hot dog at a gas station in the middle of the desert kind of thing. So I eat that and I, and I, there's like a little eating area, you know, it's like one of those fucking rest stop gas stations, a little eating area. And uh, so I'm just scarfing on this disgusting hot dog and like some milk duds or something. And I'm crying. I'm just like, holy shit, I'm so glad I'm alive. And what the fuck am I doing? And why am I at Razor Road? And, you know, so I, I um, while I'm sitting there eating the hot dog, in the booth next to me is a guy talking, they're two, two truckers, right? They're just two truckers at a, at a, at a pit stop. And um, one of them is telling the other one about this new toy that he had, that he had found, that he was aware of, and he was sharing the joy of having it. And it was a, I guess you'd call it like today, a fleshlight. I, I don't know what that is, but I think it's the same. It, it, it was, back in the day, it was called a pocket pussy. Um, sorry, that's too crass, but um, I sat there and I'm listening to one trucker tell the other one all the details of how this thing works. And it got me out of like my, you know, my, my despair. And I was like, I was just kind of enjoying listening to these fucking lonely trucker guys. Um, I don't know if enjoying it's the right word, but I was, I was getting a kick out of the fact that they didn't give a shit that I could hear, obviously. Um, and that I had never kind of thought about it, but yeah, I guess truckers have, you know, loneliness issues or whatever. Anywho. So I, uh, there's a, there's a payphone, and I have to ask the lady, I think, um, for quarters or whatever. And I, and I call my mom and I tell her, Hey, um, I've been in an accident and dah, 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 I'm fine. Don't freak out. Um, but I, I can't drive my car. I need you to, I need you to figure out how to come get me. And so she's like, Oh my God, let me figure it out. So she hangs up or whatever. I go out and I look and all four tires are just done. They're fucking done. Um, and it, when, when I went out to, to assess it, there was a highway patrol guy there and he, uh, he writes me a ticket. He writes me a fucking ticket. Um, he didn't see it. He had, he, he was, he basically was just like, we got some phone calls that you were reckless driving. And I wasn't like sincerely arguing with him, but I definitely didn't want to just, you know, go, Oh yeah, go ahead and write me up a fucking reckless driving ticket. Even though you showed up 15 minutes, 45 minutes after it happened and you had no, you have no evidence. And he's like, well, it obviously was this car. And frankly, he was right. I, I mean, I, you know, but he, so he writes me a ticket, right? So I, I call, I go back in and I call my mom. I'm like, God, ah, it's gotten off so much fucking worse. But the cop just wrote me a reckless driving ticket and da, 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 all this kind of shit. Right. And <laughs> so I talked to the, to the gas station and I'm like, Hey, is there a nearest, you know, uh, car automotive shop where, where, how am I going to, how do I get out of here? And he's like, Oh, I'll sell you tires. And I'm like, Oh God, thank you. Okay. I need, I need four tires that'll fit that 280ZX. And he's like, cool. That'll be 750 each. You, you owe me $3,000. I bought the car for like $600. So there's no way I was going to give him three grand for the, for the tires. Um, so what I did is I called my mom and I'm like, Hey, you need to go, you need to get Every, every friend, you know, call them and get a, get a jack, get a, 
a carjack and bring me four of them. And what we'll do is we'll put the car up on jacks, take all four tires off, drive those tires to Vegas. Or uh, either way, I was like, we can go back to LA or we can go to Vegas. But the, the tire should be 60, 70 bucks back then. Um, so it's a couple hundred bucks or 3,000. So I said, you know, borrow every car jack you can get. So she did. And she came out and um, we, we put the tires on and we drove to Vegas. Um, and then we had to get them like balanced and, you know, I don't know what they do with tires, whatever. They did all that shit in Vegas. I think it ended up costing about 700, 800 bucks all in to do the whole thing. Um, but yeah, that's the story of me almost dying because my stupid high school girlfriend cheated on me. Um, to finish that story, just so you know, we broke up. I was like, I'm not good with this. This is fucked up. Um, and then shortly thereafter, I moved to Vegas for, for work. So I wasn't working with her dad anymore or any of that shit. Um, and then um, in a, I'll, I will try to wrap this up pretty quick. In a, in a pretty weird event, I lost my job in Vegas. Um, well, that story will come up another time. And I had to move back to Southern California. And when I did, I went to work for this tiny little company. Um, this tiny little company that, that um, was owned by um, my girlfriend, my ex-girlfriend's dad, and a business partner that he had from the company that I work for. So I came, I kind of came back hat in hand, you know, oh my gosh, I moved back in with my parents for a little while. My sister had just had a baby, et cetera, et cetera. The reason why I was so okay working with her dad again is that my girlfriend um, was away in Europe spending, uh, you know, her sophomore year or freshman year or whatever um, of college in Europe. So it, it, it wasn't like I was in danger of running into her or anything. However, after a couple months of me working there, um, she's coming back. So she's coming back to town. And um, her mom, who didn't work at the company, comes into the company one day. And she's like, hey, what are you doing? I'm like, hey, whatever. And um, she goes, hey, uh, no hard feelings. But I don't want you working here anymore. I don't want you working here when she gets back. I don't want her to ever know you worked here. Um, just, you know, you guys are done. And I was like, yeah, you bet, right on. So I started looking for other jobs, blah, blah, blah. Long story short, not short at all. She comes back um, and her dad, like the same week, um, actually, I, to confess, I saw, the, I saw a fax come over from my ex-girlfriend to her dad. And it said, um, you know, a bunch of shit like, here's my plane and my, my grades and da 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 and I saw the Louvre and whatever. And at the bottom, it said, um, can you set up a, a, a lunch with Stink? That's not my name, but whatever. Um, and he's like, yeah. So I agreed to have this lunch. She comes back into town, and she's all apologetic, and she's, you know, she's had an epiphany over there, and she loves me, and I'm the guy, and Scooby-Dooby-Doo, right? And I'm like, I don't think so. Um, but, you know, it's nice to be told all that shit. So, um, but I'd already, I'd promised her, her mom that I was gonna, I was gonna beat, beat it out of there. Anyway, um, she's like, so what else you been doing? How's the band and everything? And we'd already done all those bar gigs. And 
um, the timing worked out to where I had just moved out of my parents' place. You know, I came back from Vegas, kind of hunkered down with them for a month or two. And then I talked a bunch of my buddies into getting like a frat house, even though I wasn't in college and they were at different colleges and we weren't into frats or anything. Um, it was four dudes and we, and we shared a three bedroom. Um, <laughs> and because I was making decent money, I, ha I had the master and my own bath and my own entrance and the garage um, while these other guys like slept on the couch and in, in, they shared like a closet and shit, but I was like, no, fuck you. Um, anyway, we were going to, we were going to have a big rager, um, that night or that weekend that she got back and it was huge. It, I mean, it was one of those moments. Well, it's, I mean, I don't think everybody's has these, but, um, you know, I'd been in a couple punk bands, done some covers, played a couple bars, done these things. And then we kind of just said, Hey, we're going to be playing at, at my house. We're going to, we're going to play all night. We're going to unload everything we know. Um, and every, anybody's invited. I think we were charging. I think, I think it was one of those like ambiguous, we were charging people at the door and it probably wasn't legal. Uh, certainly where there was booze and none of us were old enough. Um, but it was a great gig and, and, and we had other bands there and everything. And so I, I kind of told her, I'm like, Hey, you know, I'm jamming with the guys. If you want to come over, um, she does, she comes over and she's a fucking basket case. She's crying. And she's, she's in my bedroom, which we were using as backstage because you could kind of get to it through different doors. And so we had everything closed off in there. And, you know, it was kind of just where we could play scales and, and be, you know, whatever, talk about what we're going to do. So um, she's just a drama queen. She's like taking stuff out of my bedroom and she's like, I bought him this. And, dee -dee -dee -dee. and I'm like, whatever, you're a fucking crazy chick. Um, sure enough, so... <laughs> Like after I kind of made it clear, like, no, I'm serious. I'm, I'm fine without you. You, we're not getting married. Um, the next day she went back to Todd and they've been married ever since There's, they're married with three kids. And it was, I dodged a bullet. I dodged a, a Mack truck almost killed me. Anywho, where are we? Okay. We were in the car and, uh, yeah, an oncoming truck honks and flashes its light. lights. It moves to the other side of the road. Tyler steers there too. The truck moves back. Tyler moves back. More honking and flashing. The truck moves. Tyler moves. That's exactly what it was like flying down the 15 in my uh, sci-fi 280ZX going as fast as it could, and I almost died. Uh, so here we go. Tyler, hitting bottom isn't a weekend retreat. It's not a seminar. Only after you've lost everything are you free to do anything. You see, you listen, but you don't get it. You have to forget everything you know, everything you think you know. Just seconds to impact with, on, with the oncoming truck and Tyler swerves. Now, the car heads straight for a stalled car on the side of the road surrounded by flares. Jack stops struggling to get his arms free. Jack, I am nothing in the world compared to you. I am helpless. I am stupid and weak, and all I do is want and need things. I am my little shit job. I am my condo with the stupid Swedish furniture. I am shit. Um, I don't remember that being, being how he delivers that, but uh, at any rate, this is, a, once again, Tyler um, pushing Jack to the limit. Tyler lets go of Jack's arms and lets go of the steering wheel. He and Jack look at each other as their car barrels towards the stalled car. Their faces are illuminated by the light of the flares. 
They smash into the star car, stalled car. Both airbags inflate, but the front seat lurches forward, loose, causing the men's legs to bang against the dash. Page 93. Uh, tremendous momentum makes the back of the car whip around and carry it into an ass-over tea kettle roll down the hill. This is uh, Honestly, the momentum of my car... Did, I, I'll, I'll stop. Jack, voiceover. I'd never been in a car accident. Neither had I. That's actually not true. Um, at one point, some lady uh, T-boned my, my Ford Escort, and uh, it was scary as shit. Um, and she's an Asian lady. She was super nice. Everything was great. She, I mean, she was apologetic and everything. I thought I was going to get in trouble from my dad for having been hit, even though it wasn't my fault. Um, and anyway, he was like, well, you know, you need to contact your insurance. You need to, you need to, he was like, go to a, go to a pick apart and see if they have a Ford Escort door. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, sure, dad, I'll do all that. Um, what I ended up doing was going to the lady's house, which she gave me, I mean, she's like, here, come to this address, right? So I got my buddy, Bo, who's 6'6", 275, and probably on steroids back then. I mean, he could have lifted the escort and done something with it, right? So he goes with me, and he knocks on the door. And he, he's, he's basically just intimidating them by being huge, right? And he's like, you owe my buddy money. Um, so they, they don't speak real great English. And so the, the kid runs away and comes back with $500. And I'm standing there like, I paid $500 for the car. She's going to, like, I'm going to leave the fucking door dinged up and basically have a free car. I was, I, I was doing stupid math like that, right? So, um, but, but Bo is like, I think we can get more. And I'm like, dude. So um, they ended up paying 550 bucks. And the 50 was like uh, two tens and a five and, and a roll of quarters. And, and Bo was like, more. And I'm like, dude, you, they're not gonna be able to eat. Uh, anyway, I had been in an accident and it paid for my car. I didn't get the door fixed and the whole car took a shit. Um, anyway, so... Yeah, that one wasn't my fault. Uh, I've never been in a car accident. This was about all those statistics felt like before I wrote them into my reports. Interior family, family car, Jack's imagination. The car that Jack saw, post-wreck, in the warehouse, flaming, tumbling end over end, the father, mother, teenage girl, and baby all screaming. Interior Tyler's stolen car resuming. The hill goes on further and further. It's a deep ravine. The car finally hits the bottom, lying on its roof. Exterior, overturned car. Tyler crawls out and goes around, opening Jack's door. He drags Jack out into the mud. He grabs Jack face, Jack's face and squeezes it, shaking it. Tyler, you just had a near-life experience. Interior, Jack's bedroom that night. Jack lies in bed, staring at the ceiling. Tyler sits in a chair next to the bed, speaking softly. Tyler, the world I see, you're stalking elk, through the, damn can through the damp canyon forests. Let me try that again. The world I see. You're stalking elk through the damp canyon forests around the ruins of Rockefeller Center. You wear leather clothes that will last you the rest of your life. You climb the wrist-thick vines that wrap the Sears Tower. You see tiny figures pounding corn and laying strips of venison on the empty carpool lane of the ruins of a superhighway. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know what any of that fucking means. Interior Jack's bedroom dawn. Jack lies in bed staring at the ceiling. Tyler's gone. Faint sounds of sawing and hammering. Interior kitchen moments later. Jack sits at the table sipping coffee. He's pale, dazed. He seems broken. He hears the faint sounds of sewing. 
and hammering again. He's unsure of where they're coming from. He glances out the window and sees nothing. Marla, she's still asleep. Marla walks into the kitchen. Jack looks up at her. She looks at him unsmiling. There's a bruise on her face and arm. She pours herself a coffee and lights a cigarette. A beat of silence and then, Marla, I'll be out of your way in a second. She seems to be as weak as Jack. Jack, you, you don't have to run off. Marla, sarcastic prick. Jack, no, really. Marla's eyes drift away from his. Jack gets up, tries to move closer to her. She pulls away. He retreats, and they wind up opposite sides of the room. Jack leans against the wall near the basement door, which is ajar. Jack, why are we both caught up like this? With Jack, I came so close to saying Tyler's name. I could feel it vibrating in my mouth. Marla looks at him curiously, waiting. Why does a weak person go out and find a strong person to hang on to? Marla, it's a real sick relationship. You don't think I know it? Jack, does it have to be? Marla, does it? Faint sound of sawing and hammering. Jack can't quite figure out where it's coming from. Jack, do you hear that? Hear what? That sawing, that hammering. We have to change the subject? Have we been talking too long? Jack, I just don't understand what you get out of such a sick relationship. Marla, what the hell do you get out of it? Jack turns and sees through the slim space of the open door, Tyler, at the bottom of the stairs, staring a silent warning. Jack turns back to Marla. Jack, never mind. Marla, no, the day before you came over to check my breast. Jack, let's just stop right here. Marla, come on. You want to pull yourself out of whatever you're stuck in. Marla moves slowly towards Jack. Jack, conversation over. That sounds like the place we should stop right there, guys. Next episode, we'll pick up at uh, page 96. Um, if you're wondering, there's 131 pages, so we probably got an episode or two left, depending on if I, if I digress into a 40-minute meaningless uh, memory of, of my Jack assery, my, my stupidity. Uh, anywho, thank you for listening. I appreciate it. Um, I do have some fun things that I'm going to add to these episodes uh, when I finish, and I've got a couple more movies in mind to do this to if, 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 if this has a good reaction. I have no idea if this is fun to follow along to or if it's completely babbling. I, I don't know. Um, but there's some fun people who are ready to get involved, and, and I'm really, really excited to um, share and see, see what happens. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at StinkyThinkTank. Um, you can email me, stinkythinktank at gmail.com, all that kind of shit. Um, I appreciate you. Be kind to each other. We'll see you next time. Well, I get it. Very clever. How's it working out? How's it working out? Be clever. I want you to hit me as hard as you can. Keep it up, Tim. Keep it up, Tim. You've been called the Da Vinci of our time. Hit me as hard as you can. This is your life, and ending one thing at a time. There's just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the fuck are you talking about? Let's just stay in the moment, smoke some weed, drink some wine. Reminisce, talk some shit, forever young is in your mind. Leave a mark they can't erase, through neither space nor time. So when the director yells cut, I'll be fine. I am forever young.